Welcome back to the Bullish Baseball Podcast, where we have the greatest interviews. For today, we've got an excellent guest for you today. We have Steve Balance from Dig In Baseball. Top tier analysis. The Orioles right now, they're still in the rebuilding process. And the best coaching advice. They know when they play one of my teams is it's going to be a battle. And it's all coming your way right after the beat drop. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Bullets Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Feldman, alongside my co-host, Coach Duffy. We have a great episode planned about for you guys today. We're going to talk about the end of Bullets' season. We're going to talk about what's to come from the Bullets Baseball program. Coach, how are you doing? Doing great, Jack. Thanks for hosting again. So let's just start off where we picked up. Bullis lost two tough games against Episcopal, and then they lost in the playoffs in a tough landing game that I thought, I mean, down to the wire was a fairly close game. So, you know, the Episcopal games are kind of blowouts. Landing game was close. Do you have anything to say just about how Bullis' season ended? Yeah, considering what we went through this year, considering – the youth we had, of course, starting four freshmen and a sophomore in the IAC, we, we want to try to build towards something towards the end of the year. And I think that came out in the landing game. That was a competitive game. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't stay away from the big inning. And in this case, the big inning was the first inning. We battled back. We actually shut them down, take away that first inning, and we're up two to one. That's something we have to work on that we have to get better next year is avoiding that big inning when we're on defense. But I think a lot of guys grew up. I think Mick Dwyer, especially he went from being an infielder who can throw it to, he looked like a pitcher. He absolutely looked like a pitcher. After that first inning, when he started to bury that curveball, he was leaving it out over the plate a little too much with two strikes. But once he started to bury that curveball, he looked fantastic. He was almost unhittable. I think unhittable was would be a great word to describe him because you're right. He was getting two strikes on guys like like he was nothing. He would blink and there were two strikes. And then he'd try to throw that curveball over the plate and guys would hammer it. And that's where a lot of the damage was done. So right. I mean, he he did he did, you know, the eat the hard part of getting first two strikes getting ahead on guys and he just wasn't burying that curveball towards the beginning but from innings two on the only run that Landon scored was on a fluke play where Mick tried to pick off and threw it over his head so it's not like Landon even got like got a nice RBI single or something you know it's just a fluke play and from the beginning of the season I think his mix pitch mix changed a little bit you know I would I would guess Mick was closer to 60 70% fastballs maybe even more he he really didn't trust his curveball and by the end of the season he was throwing that curveball in in zero zero counts like 40 50% of the time he was throwing that curveball late he was really trusting that pitch and i think he gained velo towards the end of the season and he was just i mean that was a very impressive start by him i agree we were building, you know, more and more as the season went on, and we definitely pushed his pitch count 
farther than we had the whole season. We started at simple, about 50 pinches earlier in the, in the year. Then we increased to 60. Then we started getting him in that 70 to 80 range. And we, we pushed it a little bit more this game. You know, I went out and, and thought I was going to make a move, but I could see, and this was late in the game, I want to say the fifth inning, and you could see in his eyes, he wanted to finish the inning. You saw, I saw competitiveness that I had really hadn't seen this year. You know, he's a kid who cares. He, he's, he is competitive. He wants to win. He wants to do well. But this was a different level. This was this was something I saw differently in his eyes and in his posture that I I couldn't I couldn't make a move. I, I wanted to give him that one more batter um, pitch count thing. So it really was one more batter. And sure enough, he got the out. Speaking of competitiveness, let's talk a little bit about Lance Hirsch. He had, I think, one of the most unbelievable seasons out of anybody on the team just because he started off as a guy who, you know, he's a scrappy player, but you're thinking, you know, he's a freshman. Is he going to be able to adjust to varsity pitching? And a lot of the other freshmen, uh, Sam Mosman and Luke Bookoff, you know, they had trouble at the beginning. And then at the end of the season, they were hammering it. But Lance never really had that issue. He kind of started off, he had that opposite field single against Georgetown Prep. He hit really well against all wins. And it kind of just continued throughout the season. He's a guy who, you know, he started hitting at the beginning of the season and it never really stopped. He's aggressive. He's a gamer. I think he brings that football mentality to the game of baseball. He doesn't want to get beat. And there are moments as a freshman where you could tell he was a little overwhelmed, but that wasn't going to stop him from trying. So that's something that you, you really love in a player. And like you said, competitive. I mean, he's competitive. He does not want to get beat. He will fight for his at-bats. And then you throw in the fact that he's a fantastic athlete that kid puts the ball on the ground, you better make a clean play because he's going to beat a throw. He'll beat a throw on a routine play if, if you're taking your time. So he's just a dangerous player and love the fact that he was able to have success as a freshman. Can't wait to see what he can do the next three years. Absolutely. And speaking on his, on the pitching side of things for Lance, you know, we see it all the time in the MOB blowouts you put in a position player and they're throwing like 45 miles an hour and no one can hit it right and you're thinking oh this is funny and you know Lance does not throw hard and Landon saw him the first time he pitched unbelievable and there is that thought in the back of the mind in your mind that it might be a fluke and we saw him pitch another inning in the playoff game against the same team that saw him I mean maybe a week before it wasn't that long ago maybe a little longer than that, but, and we saw him shut, shut them down again. And I think that just speaks to the fact that Lance is a pitcher. And even though he doesn't throw as hard as maybe Corey or Mick, you know, he's a pitcher and Landon is one of the best hitting team teams in the IEC and he shut him down twice. Sure. Mix it up, hit spots. You can have a lot of success. I always say movement and location before velocity and that's something that he has no choice. He doesn't have the velocity, like, like you said. Hopefully that will get stronger as he gets older. Hopefully 
you know, this year he's, I don't know, we didn't really have him on a gun, but if I had to use my IDAR, I'd say he's low seventies. I say he could probably push it mid upper seventies next year. And then hopefully his junior senior year, we're talking about a kid in the low to mid eighties. We'll have to see. He has a lot of different interests. So it's going to come down to how much work he wants to put into it, but he is an athlete. He is competitive. So he will grow in that matter. But again, mix it up, hit spots. You can have success. Absolutely. And just going around the diamond here, Max Ferguson, you know, definitely going to be missed next year. He was Bulls' best player. And Max, you know, consistently throughout the season, whether it was games or practices, was a leader, hit the ball gap to gap, has elite speed, great center fielder. And he's just, he's going to be a guy that at the beginning of the season, you know, you would think that if Max isn't there, you know, like Bullis is screwed. And then towards the end of the season, you know, you still obviously want Max, but, you know, I think you got guys that can step up and play center field next year, such as Cooper Charkas. And I think you didn't have that at the beginning of the season. So, you know, a little bit off topic there. I wanted to stay on mass on Max, but I got a little excited. But just right. You only saw Max for a year, but what were your impressions of him as a baseball player? Absolutely loved how he carries himself. He's he knows who he is. He's comfortable with who he is. He knows what he isn't. And you on a on a level that that's something you really need in a player. You don't he didn't try to do too much. Never a moment where he was overwhelmed. And at the same time, being around a younger team, he didn't let it bring his game down. He he continued to work on the right things for himself, the right things that would help the team also. You're right, we will miss him next year. He's a big bat. I mean the only real three hitter we have on the team, if you will, right now, I can see that definitely changing for next year as the younger guys get older, but, but a heck of an athlete, heck of a competitor. And it's tough to replace a kid like that. Absolutely. And moving on a little bit now to next year, what are your plans for the bullish baseball season or not season team as we head into the off season? Well, we've got a lot of work to do. We, we need to stay on the course, despite the fact that we won't be meeting this summer. It's really up to each individual to continue working on his game. Fortunately, we have quite a few guys who are going to play travel ball. They're going to be in tournaments this summer. They'll continue to compete. They have to continue to work out on their own. A lot of the, the showcase travel teams, you're not really working out a ton during the week. It's not like the spring season where we're practicing nearly every day that we don't have a game. So it's up to them to get that extra ground ball work, get that extra batting practice in. And then when we switch back into next school year, we have two full seasons where as baseball players, guys have to get their work in guys will play other sports and that's perfectly fine. That's acceptable. I'm all for that, but they still need to work on their game. If you're playing football in the fall, 
hopefully Saturday morning, Sunday, you're getting some time in where you're, you're getting batting practice in, you're throwing. Those guys who aren't playing a full sport, they should be on a showcase team. They should be on some sort of travel tournament team. We will have a couple practices a week for those guys, just so that we're getting together, we're on the same page. And then in the winter season, we have to get stronger. We have to get stronger. It's not a, it's not a request. It's as a good friend says, it's a polite demand, if you will. I think a lot of guys will buy into that. They saw the competition this year. They saw those older players. We know we have to get stronger. We know we have to get faster. And that has to happen in the winter. So I don't want guys to pick up a baseball in November and December. We're just going to concentrate on strength training. When we get into January, we'll continue with our strength training. I'd like to have some sort of a velocity builder on that top of that as well. And then we'll start mixing in a little bit more batting practice and some fielding sessions too. But lots of work to be done in the offseason. It is not a time to truly rest. When your travel tournament team's done in August, sure, take a couple weeks, let the body heal, um, have a mental break, if you will, but be prepared to start going again in the fall. Absolutely. And now shifting towards the season next year, are there any guys who do you think is going to make the biggest jump from this year to next year? Boy, that's a great question because I, I don't think it's really going to be a single guy. I can see quite a few guys making a big jump. Now, the sophomores have to avoid a little bit of a hangover because they, they've had the experience. They are going to be bigger and stronger next year. And if they don't jump out with success right away, that can kind of tear you down mentally a little bit. So we have to help guide them through that a little bit. But I can see all those freshmen next year making a big jump. I can see Sam Moseman possibly moving into the number three spot in the batting order, just the way he swings it. You know, we had high hopes for him, had him actually in the leadoff spot at the beginning of the year, but as a freshman, that was a bit much. So we moved him back, and you saw how he swung it the second half of the season this year. I, you know, cracking doubles into the gap, smoking hard singles up the middle. His approach was a great approach for a young guy. He's really started to buy into what we were trying to teach these guys. You know what they need to be doing at the plate. So he's a guy I see making a big jump. I see Luke Bookoff making a big jump hit the ball well in spots this year, had some struggles as a freshman. We had him around the middle of the batting order, which is tough at that age, but I can see next year him making the adjustment to in, and start to hit the, the off speed a little bit better. So I can see his numbers going up next year as well. So if I had to pick a couple guys, I think those are the two guys that would really stand out the most right now. I think Cooper and Lance will, they'll continue to get better. I think, I think they'll have a better sophomore year than a freshman year, despite the fact that they had a fantastic freshman year. And I can see Mick Dwyer having thrown the way he did in that last game, really coming into his own as a pitcher. I can see him putting up some really good numbers on the mound next year. I think if I had to pick one player that would have the biggest jump, it would be Luke Buckoff. I think he's a guy – he has all the tools. We see it in batting practice. He, I mean, he's a great hitter. I think 
out of all the freshmen, he probably had the toughest time adjusting to varsity pitching. But going into his sophomore season, he's had a year of it under his belt. I think that once he makes that adjustment, he's going to turn into the hitter that he's been his entire life, which is awesome. He's been a great hitter. So once he gets adjusted to the velo, I think he's going to start to hit. And he's going to be that big middle-of-the-order bat that we were kind of hoping for. And in fairness, hitting in the middle is a lot different than hitting at other parts. You see a lot more off-speed pitches. You're not going to get that fastball that really hangs out over the middle of the plate. You know, he's a kid who physically, I think, could play almost anywhere as a freshman, to be honest with you. But he's probably batting eighth or seventh on those teams where he's getting some fatter pitches to see in the lineup. And just the way, just the way we were this year, you know, with our numbers, you know, we had 11 on the team really. Again, started four freshmen and a sophomore. So there are young guys who had to get thrown into the fire and Luke's one of those guys. He, he had to hit around the middle of the batting order this year. And it's, it's tough. It's tough, and he saw that, and I'd argue that he had tougher pitches to handle than Lance and Cooper, who really, you know, again, you know, they, those guys hit around 300 most of the year and had a lot of success, but I'd argue that they saw a lot more fastballs than Luke did this year. And that's fair, and I think that Luke is going to make a great jump heading on to next year, and Mick you mentioned it, you know, when Mick gets stronger, he's still, you know, he's a very skinny guy for a junior, doesn't weigh that much. I think that once he starts putting on more weight, fills out his frame, that fastball is going to get up there and velo, and he's just going to turn into, because he has the breaking ball. I think that, you know, if he can get that fastball a little bit faster, he's locating that really good, maybe work on his changeup at a consistent third pitch. I mean, he's going to really turn into the ace that Bullis needs next year. Yeah, we worked on his changeup quite a bit towards the end of the year. I don't know how much confidence he has to throw it in a game yet, but that's something he will need to add next year. There are some bullpen sessions where we had him throw, the ball was falling off the table, and that's an effective pitch. He gets that pitch into his repertoire next year more consistently, and you're right, he's, he's going to eat up a lot of innings for us, and not just eat innings, but he's going to, He's going to be putting guys away. Two rising sophomores that are going to have to play a bigger role defensively next year. I don't know what your plans are, but I would imagine that Cooper Charkats might have to play some center field next year. Lance Hirsch might have to play some shortstop if Mick is pitching, something like that. So what are your plans for them? How confident are you to put them in those big positions? We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves right now. We have to see how everybody grows and develops over the summer. We have to see where we are next fall, and I'll be able to answer that. Now, as far as Cooper goes, he made huge strides as, a, as an outfielder this year. You know, he went from uh, a kid who we thought was a little bit of a question mark out there to a guy who was super reliable. I mean, falls down the line, he, he you know he, he had a shot at Balls in the gap, he was getting over there, even challenging Max on some of those balls. And Max is a really fast runner and a, and a, and a quality outfielder, too. 
So Cooper, I, th- I think, would have a shot to do it, especially the way he w- he started to play defense towards the end of the year. Now, Lance at shortstop, you know, we got to get a little bit more arm strength, of course. You know, Sam Moseman is a kid who might be able to play some shortstop next year when when mixed pitching. But, but Lance is a guy, I, I can't really make a decision right now where we're going to put him. Shoot, we might need him in the outfield next year. Who knows? But he's also a quality infielder. With next year's schedule, you know, this year we played 11 games because of, because of COVID protocols and whatnot. Next year, I'm expecting to play 25. So we can't have Luke Bookoff catching 25 games next year. Right now, Lance would be the guy who would relieve Luke a little bit behind the plate. So Lance is a guy who will continue to be a utility guy. He, we will move him around quite a bit. And, you know, we, we talked about center field. You know, with Lance's athleticism, he, should, he could certainly oh, yeah. look like a center fielder next year too. And the good news is Cooper is – He's a utility guy himself. He can play some infield also. And it's one of those things. It, it, it's kind of like when the NCAA basketball tournament ends and everybody comes out with their too early way top too 25 early. rankings mm-hmm. for the next season. Way too early. You know, this is before we know who's going to enter the NBA draft, what guys are going to enter the transfer portal and, and whatnot. So that that's kind of how I feel about that question right now. So, um, so I, Answered it the best I could for you there, Jack, but we'll see how everybody develops over the summer. I think guys are going to grow. Guys will get faster. We'll see where we're at in the fall and next winter. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit the catching situation with Lance and Luke. And, I mean, Lance can literally play, I mean, probably any position on the field. You know, I think we saw we saw it with, uh, what's his name, Andrew Romine a couple years ago with the Tigers who played all nine positions in one game. I mean, that is something that Lance can do. I mean, Lance can literally play any position. But Luke Bookoff, I mean, I think defensively this season has – I mean, he was really solid. And he's a guy who, especially for a young team, to have a solid defensive catcher at the high school level, I mean, makes such a big difference. I would argue that, you know, outside of pitcher, having – you know, a great catcher, like the skill gap in teams. I mean, it starts with a catcher and Luke Bookoff. I mean, was tremendous this season behind the plate. The best teams are strong up the middle of the diamond. And you're right. It starts with catcher. It starts with a guy who can be a brick wall back there can call a good game. Luke and I, we, we talked a little bit about, how to call games. And I let him call this year. I gave him an, an entire sheet of what I was expecting, what to call against different types of hitters, what, what the approach has to be. And to his credit, he studied it. He studied it well. And there are very few times this year where he came off the field where I had to ask him, well, okay, well, why did we throw this in, in, in that certain count? And then just, his pop time too, you know, he threw out a lot of guys this year as a pitching staff next year. We, we have to help him out a little bit more. We have to hold runners a lot better. We have to be quicker to the plate, but despite some of that stuff, he was still throwing guys out quite a bit this year too. So again, you know, good teams have to be strong up the middle of the diamond and it starts with catcher. And we're grateful. We have Luke book off. We're grateful. We have him for another three years. Absolutely. And 
we'll head on now to the coach's corner part of the show where Coach Duffy breaks down a specific aspect of baseball. What do you have for us today, Coach? I want to talk about T work. I want to talk about moving the T around to help maximize your repetitions. I think all too often guys is they just sort of set the T up right there in the middle. It's, it's that nice fastball, you know, that belt high fastball and to truly work on your swing, you have to put the T in different spots. I think too often also guys think about the base of the T as home plate. And with some tees, it actually is shaped like home plate, but you got to get away from that. You got to move the tee around. You have to think about where your barrel's meeting the ball on the inside pitch, on the pitch over the middle, and then on the outside pitch. You, you hear some coaches talk about the high tee drill, which is great because, again, you know, the, the strike zone does go above the belt. You have to work on those swings. One of the things we were doing at Bullis the last couple weeks of the season is that low in a way pitch is something that burns a lot of quality hitters. You know, lots of guys can hit middle in, but are you getting the barrel on that outside pitch? Are you able to hit that pitch that's low and away? So we were actually taking the tee. We were setting it up at home plate. I was taking the, the tube out of the tee so that we could really get the ball at the bottom of the kneecap, have them working on their swings, hitting a ball at the bottom of the kneecap, a pitch that will be called a strike, a pitch that you saw a lot of teams attack our hitters with, that pitch low and away, that low and away fastball, that breaking ball that's low and away. You have to move the tee around. You can't just set it up in one spot, take, you know, take 25, 50, 100 cuts and think, hey, I worked on my swing today. Okay, you worked on one pitch. You worked on one location. You, you have to take care of everything. You have to know where the strike zone is. You have to know that pitchers are going to challenge you in all of those different zones. Absolutely, especially, you know, at the high school level, I'd say, I mean, no one really challenges hitters inside. Mo the majority of yeah, seventy percent is seventy percent right going to be away. Absolutely, That's right. absolutely. And you know, let's head now to the portion of the show where we just talk about whatever is on our mind, Coach. You know, NBA playoffs starting up, baseball season in full swing. What do you have on your mind? It's great to be a Washington Wizard fan right now. I, I love what they did down the stretch. They had such a tough, tough season, correct? They were down and out. In a league where quitting is not just accepted, it's encouraged in some areas, they didn't quit. They went 18-7 and seven in their last 25 games. That includes the two postseason play in games 18 and seven for a team that was written off back in what January I mean so yeah, hats no off to them. nobody was talking about what, what were you talking about when it came to the Wizards just a couple months ago will they trade Bradley Bill was number one right Absolutely. the trade deadline was coming up and it was what what can they get what kind of package what kind of haul can they get for Bradley Bill right now and they didn't make they didn't make that move thank god they didn't make that move so 
they stuck with Beal and they added some really quality pieces. Love Gaffer. That guy off the bench has done so much blocking shots, rebounds, and he's scoring also. You know, we've got the that three-headed monster at center with 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 Alex Len included in that. And then you throw in uh, Lopez off the bench too. It, they, they found a way. They found a way to, to get competitive, to play a little bit better defense. Not great defense. I mean, they, they, they do need to play better defense. But I love West, uh, Russell Westbrook. He's such a competitor. You know, when he came, when he, he got traded from Houston, he made it, he made it known he wanted to be in Washington. He wanted to play for Washington. Had those injuries earlier in the season, but once he got healthy, he took off. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this team was down and out, like you said, Bradley Beal getting traded. I mean, as a Knicks fan, you know, a lot of talk about that, him possibly getting traded to the Knicks, but they're there, they're in the playoffs, and now they're getting tuned up for what should be a fun series against the 76ers. You know that, you know, Joel Embiid and Russell Westbrook don't like each other. So, I mean, this isn't your classic, you know, you know, overpowering team versus a team that just snuck into the playoffs through the play. And, you know, I think this is going to be a closer series than people want wanted. And, you know, Russell Westbrook has been there before. He's very experienced when it comes to the playoffs. You know, one of the greatest players of all time. He's going to put on a show. Him and Bradley Beal, you know, they both get hot. Who knows? Maybe they'll be able to be able to knock off the 76ers and, you know, just general NBA news, you know, the Nets win tonight and they're just going to cruise by the Celtics, you know, maybe the series goes five. I'll be shocked if it goes six, you know, that's not going to be a tough series for them. I don't really think that they're going to struggle against the Bucks either. If that's what the next series is going to be, I don't think they're going to have a tough series really until I mean, unless they face the Lakers in the final finals, I don't. I think that team is just so unbelievably talented. I mean, one of the greatest teams of all time on paper, and you know, chemistry might be an issue. I don't think so, but I mean, that team is special, man. They're good, and a lot of people don't talk about it. Steve Nash was—he's a Hall of Famer in my in my in my book. Great. NBA player, great point guard, great knowledge of the game. And the roster's awesome. And he has found a way to work with them. I think it has not been perfect, of course. I think there's been a lot of drama, but there's a lot of drama all over professional sports. And you see a lot of teams crumble. So I think he gets some credit for keeping that together and finding a way to make it work with, you know, with those top players on the team. So we'll see what happens. You know, I think it, it, I think you're right. I don't think they'll have much trouble against the Celtics. They were so inconsistent. You even had some rumors about Stevens, maybe even going back to college after this year. I think the UNC job, when he didn't come up with the UNC job, he'll probably be back with Boston next year, I would think, but but really inconsistent Boston team this year, unfortunately. So the Nets won't have trouble with that. Going back to some of the comments you made about the, the Wizards 76ers series, though. 
the three-headed center monsters got their <laughs> their work cut out for them, and hopefully Bradley Beal can get can get a little bit more healthy because it's going to be tough as far as guarding Simmons. You know, I, I hope they put Rui out there on him. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's not going to be great shutting shutting Ben Simmons down. is going to be a pretty tough task. The fact that they've been playing so well down the stretch and able to get in the playoffs is, is great. If they can take this team to six or seven games, uh, I'll be satisfied with that. I, I don't want to see them get run off the floor for sure, but I think this Philly matchup is going to be really tough. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're going to get one game where Westbrook absolutely goes off and keeps them in the game. You know, if they can take another one. So. You, you yeah. hope so. But, you know. Yeah, because his playoff history isn't the best. Yeah, that's true. And that's true. Hopefully, hopefully he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's got something to prove. It, a lot of players through history have, have kind of had that mark of not being a postseason player. You see it in baseball with Clayton Kershaw. Barry Bonds actually had that at the beginning of his career. He would sort of disappear when the postseason came around. But with the Giants, I think he started to correct a lot of that. The year where the Giants had that good run into the World Series, Barry Bonds was very good. And the Giants almost won that series from the Angels. Yeah, although, you know, Kershaw 2020 had a fantastic postseason. So you never know. Russell Westbrook might have a fantastic postseason also. Coach, this was a great show. We talked some baseball, talked some basketball, previewed next season for Bulls. We did it all, and I'm so happy that we're going to turn over the new leaf and head into Coach Duffy's first official full year as the Bulls baseball head coach. So anything you want to say before we end it? I I can't wait. I'm so excited to get a full offseason with you guys. I think that one of the things that really held us back this year was that I got hired and it was, it was late and I couldn't work with you guys until March. So having a full off season to do some work and set some workouts up and it's going to, it's going to benefit us because the camaraderie that we had, just everything we did with the team, getting everybody to buy in, we had to start it in March as opposed to September. So I can't wait for all season with, with this program. And I think you'll see the results next spring. Well, that will wrap up episode four of the Bullish Baseball Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thanks for joining.